Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of the most slept-on exercises with the K-Box, and that is the K-Box Row. This exercise is going to tick a lot of boxes and really make you fight to hold your posture while working on your pulling power. For this, give yourself a little extra slack with the strap, not too much, but just enough to avoid the jarring action at the top. Give the wheel a good spin, sit your hips back, and fight to hold that position. Pinch your shoulder blades down and back, try to drive your elbows behind you, and keep fighting to not let that wheel pull you forward and make you lose your posture as you go through the exercise. This is an absolutely sensational, big bang for your buck exercise that you and your athletes, I'm sure, will love. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Eric, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. All right. Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah, man. I'm fired up for this. You know, we get to uh, probably don't get to talk as much as we'd like because of this crazy freaking basketball world that we are stuck in the middle of right now, but... You know, for the, the three-quarters of a human that doesn't know who Eric is, you know, give them a quick rundown of who you are and how you got out there to Norfolk. Yeah, so I've been at ODU for uh, – this is my eighth year. Um, I currently am the director of sports performance for Olympic sports. I work primarily with men's basketball, men's women's soccer, men's women's golf. Um, throughout my time at ODU, I've worked with every sport. Started as an intern, then I was an assistant working primarily with baseball and I moved to basketball four years ago. Prior to that, I was in the private sector for about a year. Hated it, knew I had to get into athletics. Uh, I played baseball at University of Maryland. Um, I was a pitcher, and throughout my time at Maryland, I really got into lifting, conditioning, nutrition, saw how all those things impacted my performance positively. Um, and then I played parts of two seasons with the Oakland A's minor league system. Um, and again, I realized I wasn't going to be a big leaguer. So I transitioned into, you know, the sports performance fitness field. Um, and here I am now. Which means we have to say two things really quick. One, to all of you that say that pitchers don't like to lift, I give you exhibit A here. And two, I think it's cool to have two people who have worked their way up in the same spot to be able to sit and talk about things that are a little different. You know, people that have, have been able to find kind of a home for a while. You know, you've been there for a minute and, you know, 
shoot, I, I even remember like that first conversation we had at the arena when you were with baseball, when we were just, you know, you were just starting out out there. And it's, it's something that I think is, is really cool when you're able to get people that have found a spot that they can call home to start talking about things that are probably more important than adding another acronym at the end of your name. Yeah, I, I think actually going on both those things, my first two years in college, pitchers were not allowed to lift a dumbbell over 25 pounds. And then my junior year, we got a coach who's now a coach at University of Michigan, um, Eric Backage, who was a maniac. So he really emphasized nutrition, you know, and uh, lifting heavy. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but that got me in the mindset of how important, you know, the lifting uh, nutrition aspect are. And then secondly, um, going off what you said, I think, and we're going to kind of dig deeper into this, your job at ODU, I think I found a spot that hits a lot of things for me. Um, and, you know, logo chasing or whatever people want to call it, um, isn't always the most important thing. You know, one thing for me is looking at job satisfaction. You know, I, my parents are three hours away. My wife's parents are an hour and a half away. Um, ODU is a kind of in a city, but also got some, you know, country area. So it's a really good mix of things. I've had a lot of opportunities to work with a lot of different sports, having different roles. Um, and so, like you said, ODU, I've, each year, my role has progressed and I, you know I'm definitely happy in the position I'm in, in right now yeah dude and it's it's really awesome that you've been able to to find some longevity there I think that that's something again like you were saying logo chasing like that too many people get too caught up in instead of sitting there and like actually starting to figure out if like living in the place where they're at is where they want to live and that comes, you know, to kind of the, the lessons that people have started to learn during this crazy freaking year that 2020 is. And, and some things that have been some pretty big take-homes that you've started sharing a bit more information about on social media. Yeah, I think uh, two things. One would be um, financial literacy. Um, I think taking care of your finances is a pretty important thing for all professions. Um, but especially during this time, you know, in our field, you know, job security isn't always, you know, the most keen thing. We've seen a lot of, you know, friends or people in the field that have been let go due to, you know, staff cuts across the board. Um, so knowing, you know, where, you know, what your money's doing and finding a way to get your money to grow. And so I've really, you know, dug deep into cryptocurrencies and different types of assets that can grow while you're making whatever salary that may be. And also trying to find ways to make money on the side. So that's, um, you know, like Jay, things that you do on the side with the podcast and your, you know, your uh, conference every summer, um, but also working camps. And then I teach a class on the side also. So finding ways to make some extra income, but at the same time, trying to, you know, make your money work for you. Yeah, I think that that's something that, you know, throughout this pandemic and then getting into like the whole thing that we've been doing here with our staff with 75 hard and, and trying to read a business or self-help book 
know, every day, like the, I've, I've probably now talked about this on like eight shows or with a dozen people, but like that idea of, of finding assets that will work for you. And like you said, making your money work for you that rich dad, poor dad talks about. And yeah, exactly. I think that that's kind of a starting point for a lot of us where it's like, that changes your mindset. And now all of a sudden, instead of thinking about how you can work more to make money, you find out how ways money can work more to make for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, you know, I think it's also thinking outside the box of the normal, you know, you make a salary, you put so much in retirement and, you know, I, I want to make more money the next year, more money the next year. I think there's other ways to allow the actual money you make, you know, work for you or grow for you without doing all this extra work. And so just kind of try to reallocate and change your mind to thinking, like you said, like Rich said, poor dad, um, you know, what are assets, what are liabilities and how you can make the most of those. Yeah. And I think that that line of thinking really starts to change how you look at not just your finances, but your time too, right? Like where are you putting, where are you putting yourself in order to make your time efficient and be more uh, specifically utilized so that when you're doing things, you're doing things when you're not doing things, maybe guarding an empty weight room isn't the best play. Yeah, I, I think efficiency is, is the most important thing you can do. And, you know, when I first started in this field, you know, my thought was I have a lift group at 6, I have a lift group at this time, this time. I'm going to stay from 6 till 6 p.m. because that's just what I should do. I need to show my worth to this organization. I'm here. I'm busting my butt. I'm working all these hours. I'm working more hours than everyone else. And then, you know, during this COVID time, I'll, I have a daughter who's four now. Both those things combined have shown me that, you know, that's really not that important in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, you still have to provide, you know, the best you can for those athletes, whatever those times are. But, you know, if you're programming, you're inputting data, you don't always have to be at work. You don't always have to be there spending your whole day at work when it's not really that necessary. I think COVID has really shown that across in all jobs. But especially in our field, like we have certain times of the day where we have practices for our sport teams, we have lift groups, we have certain meetings, but we don't have to, like you said, guard the weight room the whole day. You should spend time worrying on your, or working on yourself. So that's your health. And I, I do post a lot of nutrition stuff. And, you know, I really think that's a vital part of our health, our well-being. So taking more time to spend on eating better food, eating real food, um, you know, cooking your own meals and also take walks. When I, when I was younger, I thought walks were the biggest waste of time. And now I think those are one of the most beneficial things you could do. So take walks, eat real food, spend time trying to learn about your finances, spend more time with your friends, family. You know, you don't need to, like you said, guard the weight room at all times. You know, make the most out of your day, be efficient um, and make yourself a better person every day thousand percent and i think too when we look at that there, there's kind of two parts to that right there's if you're just sitting here trying to be busy and you're just doing the program you have no time to ever work on the program in and of itself anyway 
to get better. But in order for the program to be better, Jay has to be better, right? So like, if all you're doing is worrying about your next paycheck or what, and, and I get it, like for to some of the young coaches out there, like, listen, I, I took a job here for $1,000 a month. Like, I get it that everyone's not in that position where they're able to do some things right away. Comma, you can start setting yourself up for it though. You can start figuring out ways that you can efficiently find better ways to eat, find better things to do with your time. Like, you know, we, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is $9. Like, that's a book that, like, I think every coach should read because I think it would change how we look at how we're doing things. Because how they all work together, right, is – you know, it's the same thing. Like, look good, feel good, play good. If you don't have these other stressors because your money's doing what it's supposed to, you're going to be a better coach because you're not afraid of what could happen. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's all spot on. And then going further, you know, we are training athletes on a daily basis. And we want the best out of them. And we've all seen those athletes, those teams – where those coaches literally want them, you know, in the, in, on the court, on the field, whatever sport it may be, 24-7 without any time for themselves. And that, that's just setting those athletes up to, one, hate the sport, hate being there, and, two, not get, a, not get the best performance. So, again, contrary to, you know, when I was younger in the field, I was like, oh, why isn't this, this guy getting extra shots? Why isn't this guy doing extra work? Why isn't this guy – and now it's like, okay, I want this person to do the best they can, work their butt off, come in when they need to to do extra, but also have a life outside the sport. And that could be, you know, doing things they enjoy. So when they actually come to practice, to games, they are excited. They are fresh. They are, and I think, again, COVID, you saw when, especially with men's basketball, when they got back to campus, they had just a, you know, a fresh start, a renewed sense of energy. And, you know, when they're training for 48 or 46 weeks, you know, of the year, they don't have that energy. So that time off was from a, from a performance perspective, you know, was really refreshing for them. So I think one thing that, you know, individually as coaches, we got to make sure we take time for ourselves, but also we want those athletes to have, you know, time for themselves to, relax to enjoy their time to do whatever makes them happy so when they actually come to perform they're in a much better spot yeah i couldn't agree more because i think that all too often what happens is we've become infatuated in that grind term and we want to we all have this like internal fear that if we're not with them every day that it means we're not working and we're not proving our worth so we need to fight to do this when in reality we all talk about the importance of recovery and this that and the third but we're the ones that might actually be the roadblock to them being able to do that yeah no one thing that i've started implementing that again, I wouldn't have done 10 years ago is when we have off days, we have off days. 
So some certain athletes will say, hey, can I come and get this extra lift? Can I do no, you're off. Enjoy your day off. Get, get good sleep, eat good food, rest, recover, and be ready to roll locked in the next day when we get practice. So 100%. Yeah, and I think that initially some of the guys might be combative with that, but I think – in the long term, they're going to learn and understand that, like, taking that deep breath is what's going to allow them to be better later. Yeah, I think, you know, the one good thing that I think me and you have from our perspective is that we actually get those men's basketball players the whole year, in a normal year. So those off days are actually really important for them to reset. You know, we're training all summer, we're training all preseason, we're – in season so they don't really get a whole ton of time off so those off days are you know super important and they need to take advantage of them yeah and then throw in every four years you take a foreign trip so there's another four weeks of full practice and all of a yep. sudden it's like yep, no, no, man, doubt. no, no doubt. wonder these kids all they want to do is take naps yeah <laughs> and play video games yeah <laughs> but you know what like I would too. I mean, no, nah, I wouldn't want to play video games because I'm just not good at them. But like, dude, if, if, if I had to do all that stuff, like, I'd be like, bro, I need a nap. Like, yeah. You know? And I think too, like now when we're looking in the recruiting areas and talking about the importance of facilities and practice facilities and being able to have everything in one place, like, the one thing, and I'm lucky with Adam, our sports med guy, that we both are really pushing is it's like, yo, they come in. We now COVID freaking punched us in the chin, but they come in, they eat, they study, or they do their rehab, they lift. That leads us right into practice because that's like our warm up prep for practice. So we don't have to spend extra time doing that. We give them something on their way out. If they want to do something extra after practice, sure, stay and shoot. Do some off-foot cardio. You want to arm farm or whatever after practice, awesome. Have fun, you know? But, like, why – instead of taking three different stops, four if you count food, why not make it one three-hour stop and they're done and get them out, leave them alone? Yeah, again, it goes back to being efficient. And, and our men's basketball coach does a great job with that. He's super efficient, and he's cognizant of uh, those time demands. But, yeah, you know, you, you've probably been part of it. You see it. You hear it. I mean, these coaches just take up these athletes' whole days, and they wonder why they're not why, – oh, why aren't they fresh? Why aren't they moving fast? Why, why, why are they in a bad mood? I mean, it's pretty simple. They're there all day, getting yelled at, not having any control of their – of their day and it makes sense i think just like you said efficiency everything in one one stop your food your training room your lifts practice in and out i mean get the most you can but be efficient with it yeah and i think that when we look at that going full circle back to what you were talking about before with the work-life balance idea that is where we need to be better also like when we sit here and we set our schedules why do we set our staffs to have a group at 6 a.m 
and then have their last group at 6 p.m. How, you know, and unfortunately that usually ends up being the people who are at the bottom of the totem pole. And I use that example because I did that for like 13 years. But anyway, um, like that's miserable. Like that's a great way to go home and like hate doing what you're doing. Oh, hundred percent. And one, and, and granted this was due to a variety of factors, but this fall in our weight room was the first fall since I've been at ODU. We had no lift group before 8 a.m. And one, like coaches always say, oh, man, they need to get sleep. But let's have 6 a.m. lifts. That makes no sense. You know they're going to go to bed at 1, 1 a.m. Well, we're going to tell them to go to bed earlier. Okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, they're college kids. It's just not going to work. Um, but I 100% agree. I mean, my first two years of ODU, same thing. We had 6 a.m. groups, and then my last group was at 6 p.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'd be so tired, but I'm like, okay, let's let's attack the day tomorrow. But it's like, no, that's not that's not sustainable. That's not efficient. It doesn't make any sense. Because you know, our field, we have a lot of free time, a lot of times in the middle of the day. So why can't we, you know, program those more efficiently, either later in the afternoon or more in the morning, for everyone's sake? No, hundred percent. And I think that it's funny that you bring up the whole sleep thing because that's like. It kind of has fallen out of vogue a little bit, right? Like that was super sexy to talk about, like, but that was so 2019. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny that the coaches that talk about sleep are the ones that are like, yeah, but we'll lift at 5.30 in the morning. And it's like, word? Like, is sleep important? Or like, do they, are they nocturnal? Like they're going to go home and sleep after lift during the day because – Nothing good happens when you have to wake up at 4 a.m. And I did that for 15 years. Like, nothing good happens when you have to wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah, I mean, it's just setting everyone up for failure. I mean, and, and then, you know, a lot, a lot of times I've had those groups and then the coaches, well, I, I don't understand why they weren't awake. Like, why, why weren't they? It's like, I mean, if you expected them to be fully awake and aware, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, and and I, I think that goes along with, you know, some of the realizations during this time is that like we need to, if we want a certain thing, we have to set ourselves up for success. So if you want a certain guy to jump higher, he needs to jump more. If you want a certain guy to shoot better, he needs to shoot more. And trying to make it more complex than it actually needs to be is just setting everyone up for failure. So I think, it, you know, whatever that specific goal is, if you want your team to have lots of energy and pump for lift then don't don't have to 6 a.m and then really whatever that goal is you know take a step back what can we do to hit that specific one or two goals it's it's really frightening how far away we've gotten from that though yeah it really is and i think that that like that that hits the nail on the head with everything because it's like what is the goal what are you trying to accomplish well, are you doing things to accomplish that? If you want a high energy team to be all over the place, bouncing all over the weight room, having them rely on freaking pre-workout at 6 a.m. may not be the lasting option for this to happen. Yeah, no doubt. It's just, you know, but then again, like, what do we know? We're just the guys in the basement that are sitting here saying, all of these things, but I think that it's really interesting how in a field 
where so much of it is based off of this like bravado and this tough guy appearance and this this like kind of hard ass crap that more and more people that have been in the game and understand what's going on are like no simplify it we can only work on a few things at once what's most important let's just do that and let's do it at a time and in a fashion that's reasonable to make sure that they're able to elicit the adaptation by being able to pay attention yeah yeah no and and going off what you were saying i think a lot of times especially once we get into a season our role is to take a step back and to let the players play, the athletes be athletes, and then help them reach the goals by having conversations with them and adjusting according to kind of what they're saying. Um, you know, I, I think too many times our profession in particular, you know, thinks we're the most important thing. Oh, this person didn't hit their squat max. This person, like, it doesn't matter. So, like, listening to the athlete, what is it? Hey, your best player is saying he wants to do single leg RDLs. Okay, let's do some single leg RDLs. And try to make them feel like they're getting better. Because if that, if that happens, they're probably going to get better. Their performance is probably going to go up. Um, and so just, you know, take a step back and have conversation with those athletes. And then move forward with kind of those recommendations and, and find the best approach to implement those. Dude, again, couldn't agree more with that. And I think that, too, that's something that people sleep on or they, like, there's this kind of fake confusion over is we sit here and we look at those things and people hear, oh, well, Eric just said that he lets his best player pick an exercise. Yeah, he lets his best player pick an exercise. But because you allow your best player to say, hey, man, why aren't we doing these anymore? We should do those. I felt better with that. Now the other stuff that you wanted him to do that you know is important, he's doing. Because he's like, oh, well, yeah. I, like, I get why you want us to do that, but now that you're going to let me do this, I'm not even going to argue with that anymore. I'm just going to roll with it because I got what I wanted. Yeah, 100%. And then, you know, two years ago when we had that really good team and we won the conference, our three best players this, – this is what opened my eyes. Our three best players um, were older guys, and our coach let them lift – in their own groups, which is different than what he's ever done. And, you know, during the year I had, you know, this is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing today. This is my plan. And they'd be like, ah, I don't really want to do those today. And my first reaction was to say, what, what, what do you mean? Like, this, this is the, the best exercise for this. And then after a couple of weeks, when they, you know, begrudgingly did them, after a couple of weeks, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this guy just – one conference player of the week, two weeks in a row, he's asking to do split squats instead of goblet squats. Let's let him do split squats. And so I think that really opened my eyes to, you know, we need to just, you know, help the athletes the best we can, but also allow them to have a little bit of input. You know, what makes them feel good to perform at the highest level? Yeah, and again, it's, it's I think that these sort of statements get misconstrued in the sense that people think that when we say them, it means we don't care about what exercises they do. No, 
there are things that are important. There are different exercises and different intensities and different volumes that elicit different adaptations. But in December, January, February of the college basketball season, is the fight worth double leg squatting over single leg squatting with my point guard? The answer to that is no, it is not. Because last time I looked, there's no 41-year-olds at the end of the bench who are up for the koozie award, right? Yep. Like, yep. unfortunately, I'm not going to get a plaque, right? So maybe doing what they think is best within the parameters of what you would program. Correct, yeah, at certain times, at the right times, at – times it makes sense throughout the you know throughout the year 100 percent. because again like when we're 20 games in how much stronger are the guys that are running 30 a night actually going to get yeah 100 percent. not that much stronger no but what we can do is again going back to it we can do things to help them elicit recovery feel better you know or just use these exercises to stretch out almost. I mean, like this whole pandemic thing has changed 180 degrees, like what we do in the weight room. Yeah. Because for the first time in the history of America, we literally took baskets, we took basketball goals down. Like you couldn't play at a park. Yep. So they need to be able to play. So is it more important for us to make sure that they can be ready for practice or that we get their squat back to one and a half times their body weight? I don't know. Yep, 100%. 100%. Well, listen, Eric, let me get you out of here on this, man, because you were talking about some of it before. And if anybody ever needs their athletes to be hungry and to eat more, they need to follow Eric on freaking Instagram. Um, where can people follow you? Where can they see what you're doing? Where can they get more info about it? Um, uh, I think they're both B Elite Daily on Twitter and, and Instagram. B Elite Daily. Yeah, man. And it, it is. like People think you, you might sit here and he's giggling a little bit. You might think I'm kidding, but yo, you should see what my man cooks up every day like. You, you think that, like, your kitchen is, like, Blue Apron. Like, it's like everything is coming in now. I mean, we're not going to get into the products that you have coming in and this and that, like, which I think is rad. But, like, like last night was, like, chicken thighs. And I'm like, yo, like, my man gets it in in the kitchen. Like, this is, like, legit. Like, I love it. Yeah, I, start, I started sharing more during uh, COVID. Obviously, we didn't have that much interaction with the athletes. So it was a way to kind of, you know, get their minds on how they can make, you know, better decisions. And then I quickly realized, especially my basketball guys, because, you know, on like the Instagram uh, stories now, you can see who like looks at it or whatever. And all the guys, like normally they don't look at any of my stuff. That's just, they're in their own world. But you can see slowly they all started, every single one of those food things were looking at them. And then they start texting me, hey, I had this for dinner tonight. Hey, I bought this, this meat. I got some grass-fed meat. What, what is this? Why, why should I do this? 
And so it opens some more conversations. And like I've always said, if I can make one person who sees that choose what I made or a better meal option, as opposed to going McDonald's, that's a win. And that goes for athletes. And that also goes for friends, families, I don't know, people, you know, in my network. And I think, you know, that's, because my big thing again is I want the athletes to be the best version of themselves, but also I want a better, a healthier world. And nutrition is the number one thing by far. And so if I could help someone make a better nutrition decision, one person, that's a win. So one person right here, man. Like I look at those all the time. I was showing my girlfriend the other day. I was just like, yo. My dude down at ODU, like, gets it in. Like, look at this. And, like, kind of got me in trouble. It was like, well, why don't you cook for me like that? It's like <laughs> 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 and I was like, man, damn it, Eric. Uh, but, uh, but, no, man, I appreciate it. And I think that that is something that, you know, it, it's helpful. And it's, I'm fired up to hear that the guys are buying into it and being part of it because that's rad, man. And it, this is a great 30 minutes, Eric. I can't thank you enough for your time, brother. I'm, it's Great to see you. I'm glad you're doing well, man. And, and we'll be in touch real soon. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Cheers. Yep.